Judge Jeanine Pirro. She's the outspoken host. Judge Jeanine Pirro is dominating the headlines right now. This is the Judge Jeanine Tunnel to Towers Foundation Sunday Morning Show on 77 WABC. Now, here's Judge Jeanine Pirro. Welcome, everyone, to the Judge Jeanine Pirro Tunnel to Towers Foundation Sunday Morning Show. And happy Sunday, everybody, on this wonderful Sunday, September 12, 2021. I hope everyone is enjoying their day so far. It is a great morning here in New York City. It's sunny. The weather is warm. And as always, we are armed and ready to serve justice with all my great listeners here on Talk Radio 77 WABC and all listening to our stream on the WABCradio.com and on the W uh, the 77 WABC mobile app. Now, I also want to make sure that I hear from you in just a little bit. We're going to be taking your calls right here on the Friends of the Court hotline. You know the number. It's 1-800-848-WABC. That's 1-800-848-9222. Make sure you give us a call and share your thoughts. And later on in the show, I'll reveal the results of our question of the week. But there is so much that happened this week in America uh, yesterday, of course, being the 20th anniversary of 9-11, the attack uh, in New York and in uh, Pennsylvania, as well as the Pentagon. Uh, it was a, a solemn day for so many of us uh, in New York and across the country who not only lost loved ones, but who were experiencing uh, this attack as it happened. Uh, we're going to be talking about that throughout a lot of the show uh, and where we are in America in terms of whether or not we are secure, whether or not we're protected, and whether or not this administration is giving us the protection that we need. Uh, but we, I'm going to start with uh, uh, Dr. Marty McCary, one of our guests, in a little bit, and we'll get to those topics that uh, of 9-11 as well as the issue of the vaccine mandate, which President Joe Biden said he would never impose. And, of course, being the uh, backwards, inept, feeble, fickle uh, man that he is, uh, he, of course, changed his mind and said that it's now the vaccine is now mandated. So uh, we've got a lot to talk about for you here on the Judge Jeanine Pirro Tunnel to Towers Foundation Sunday morning show. Plus, later on in the show, I'll gavel out with my closing arguments and I'll, I'll also reveal a new question of the week that you don't want to miss. And of course, you know that I always love your participation, not only in our weekly polls on the topics that matter to judge here in America, but on uh, all of the issues that we talk about and your phone calls. It's all coming up in just a few moments here on the Judge Jeanine Pirro Tunnel to Towers Foundation Sunday morning show. But first, it's time for my opening statement. You know, uh, Joe Biden on Thursday issued a new COVID vaccine mandate causing controversy as a battle continues in some states over children having to mask up in school. And what we have seen from this administration is a group of people who are seeking to mandate that we get the vaccine if you're not vaccinated and literally dividing the country based upon those who are vaccinated against those who were unvaccinated. Now, the vast majority of Americans who are getting serious cases of COVID 
are dying and are dying or unvaccinated. And while cases continue to spike across the U.S., the majority of deaths and hospitalizations from the virus continue to be among unvaccinated Americans, according to the CDC. Between January 1 and August 30, about 99% of hospital admissions were among those who had not been fully vaccinated. Meanwhile, the FDA said it's working around the clock to back the process making vaccines safe and available for kids under the age of 12 years old. And of course, more than 1,000 schools across the state start the school year with virtual learning. The FDA has attempted to shed light on the rigorous review process behind yet-to-be-authorized COVID-19 vaccines among kids under 12 on Friday as young children remain ineligible for vaccines amid the start of school, stoking concerns and frustrations among parents, teachers, pediatricians, according to uh, 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 the reports that we've been seeing. So I would like to introduce our guest today. His name is Dr. Marty McCary. He is an American uh, surgeon, a professor, and an author. He practices surgical oncology and gastrointestinal laparoscopic surgery at John Hopkins, as you well know, one of the most acclaimed hospitals in the country. Uh, he teaches public health policy as a professor of surgery and public health at the John Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health. Uh, he was elected to the National Academy of Medicine. He's published over 200 scientific articles, and he has been very outspoken when it comes to COVID, the vaccine, and everything that's been going on in America. So I'd like to welcome Dr. Marty McCary uh, for being with us today. Dr. McCary, uh, thanks for being with us on our Tunnel to Towers Sunday morning show. Great to be with you, Judge. All right. Thank you, doctor. Now, uh, President uh, Biden on Thursday announced a new mandate that will force employers with more than 100 workers to require coronavirus vaccination or test employees weekly. Now, you know, a lot of people are saying this is unconstitutional. They intend to take this to court. And what I know as a lawyer and as a judge is that during a pandemic, there are certain uh, allowances that are given to executives, chief executives, to make sure that people are safe. But with 75% of Americans already having at least one of the shots uh, and something like 92% of seniors already having had the COVID vaccine shots, both of them, uh, is there a necessity for the president to require that people and employers be mandated to force workers to get the vaccine? Well, I understand the frustration of people who choose not to get vaccinated who are high risk. I think we're all frustrated, but we're frustrated for their own benefit. They're making a personal choice that's going to result in personal harm to them, just like uh, drinking sugary drinks or potato chips or smoking. So um, I understand the concern, but when you mandate something, you polarize an issue. And I'm not sure that people who have been skeptical or on the fringe are going to respond to what they perceive to be an excessive role of the government in making this decision. Separate from the legal and political sides of it, Judge, 
the medical aspect has not been sorted out because those with natural immunity were not mentioned once in that speech. Interesting. That's a lot of people, 100 million people in America. Well, you know, um, and, and I have I have the immunity uh, and the antibodies and I've also been vaccinated. But what is amazing and I and I want to stay in the medical lane f- with you, but just my sense of the condescending approach he took to us, you know, taking it out on the unvaccinated as though they're causing the problem. The way I see it, doctor, and tell me if I'm wrong, Dr. Marty McCary from John Hopkins, tell me it, um, it if I'm wrong, if I am vaccinated and I have the antibodies, then I should be protected. It is the unvaccinated person that Biden is now trying to make out to be the bad guy. And we don't know if they, that person has made a decision with his or her doctor. But it's the so-called unvaccinated who's at risk, not the rest of us who are at risk. If we're vaccinated, we're not at risk. They've made a decision to be at risk. Is that accurate? Yeah, what, yeah it is accurate. And what he got wrong from a from a lexicon standpoint in terms of his medical terminology is that we don't have a pandemic of the unvaccinated. We have a pandemic of the non-immune and specifically non-immune adults. Those are the people dying. And then the other issue is that he made it sound like, and he said very explicitly, the unvaccinated threaten the vaccinated. Exactly. they They don't. It is a totally different group. They may threaten them with a common cold, which is unavoidable, I mean, I don't think anyone is going to avoid getting a mild case of the common cold with COVID at some point in their life. But the goal was never to eradicate COVID. The goal was to downgrade it so we don't have people getting severely ill and going to the hospital. And what what you say, Dr. Marty McCary, is so accurate. You know, the goal, uh, you know, for the first 15 days was, you know, the, to have a level, to level it off and make sure the hospitals weren't uh, overcrowded. And here we are a year and a half later, and there are still a thousand schools that are not open. There's still this clamor to get kids under the age of 12 vaccinated. Is that necessary? Is it is our children under the age of 12 that much at risk? Or is it the older people with the comorbidities who are at risk? Well, um, we have probably lost between, in my estimation, 50 to 100 children under 12 from COVID out of 25 million who have had the infection, roughly. And um, we think most of those had a pre-existing condition, if not all of them. Now, I'm not downplaying those deaths. There are deaths from suicide and malnutrition and psychological damage and all sorts of other forms of harm. And when you have a one-hammer approach that we have to reduce transmission at all costs, guess what? You can have worse public health, health outcomes from that. And by the way, the president said it's the unvaccinated who are preventing us from turning the corner. Well, that was not true in India. In India, you have natural immunity set in. You have a massive decline, and they're at extremely low levels with really very, very low vaccination rates. Now, I'm pro-vaccine. Go get your vaccine if you don't have immunity. But the, the idea that they're somehow preventing us from turning the corner, which is exactly what the president said, right. how is he explain that in two months when we're at very low levels and we still have people unvaccinated are they going to be still required to get it? 
Well, you know, the, the, the whole issue is, is a constitutional one, and, you know, it has to do with freedom and liberty in this country. If people decide in, in South Dakota, for example, you know, that they don't want to get the vaccine, and, and by the way, if we want to be really honest about the, 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 the beginning of the resistance to the vaccine, you can thank Joe Biden and his sidekick there, the cackling Kamala Harris, you know, if, if, if Donald Trump tells me to take the vaccine, I'm not going to take it. Well, Dr. Marty McCary, they're the ones who started the skepticism. And and by the way, it's a lot of the independents, you know, who are not taking it. A lot of the um, a minority community are not taking it. And it, they want to blame they want to blame Trumpers. They want to blame Republicans. Uh, and 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 here here, let me let me focus my question. I mean, there's so much outrage that I have over this. Um, Jen Psaki was asked at a press conference, uh, I think it may have been on Friday, where um, the, the, she said, you know what, we're going to have the Department of Labor monitor and uh, issue hefty fines if companies with employees of 100 or more uh, don't require that those employees be vaccinated. Now, it's laughable, doctor, when you think about our southern border and all of the people coming through the southern border, many of them refusing to be vaccinated. And let's just agree that there are at least a hundred, uh, at least one and a half million who've come through since January. And it's only September. I mean, those are the numbers. A million and a half illegals have crossed into this country. We have the opportunity to stop them and tell them to take the vaccine. We don't even stop them to see if they have COVID. And the law gives them permission to not take the vaccine. And a lot of them aren't interested. And I'm not even talking about the runaways. So my question, very direct, Dr. Marty McCary, is we're forcing Americans to take a vaccine that they may not feel is appropriate for them, while at the same time allowing unvaccinated people 30 percent, 20 to 30 percent already infected with covid to come into the United States and we're not stopping them and forcing them to get the vaccine. So you tell me who's a greater danger, the million and a half coming in or the people in America who already have made a decision uh, that they don't want the vaccine. Well, there's a lot of great ironies going on right now. And basically what the White House did is they said, look, um, they got it, the guidance from Zeke Emanuel, who was the architect uh. of Obamacare. You may know him, a physician who uh, published an article in The New York Times saying last spring, we got to move to mandates. We have to force people. That article came out the day of the J&J recall. And people were like, well, wait, wait, aren't you embarrassed? <laughs> I mean, this isn't this egg on your face. We have to mandate it. And, and the government is pulling the vaccine off the shelf because of its potential harm well we're not out of the woods with young with young kids and the second dose because i'll tell you the rate of heart inflammation in boys 12 through 15 is one in 6800 that's a high wow. of complications and it's from the second dose it's not from the first dose so we're going to take kids who may already have immunity doesn't matter the government didn't care they're being imprecise and because we got to march down this edict that we got from the top we're going to put young kids at risk of heart complication 
when the first dose is 100% effective, they may not need the second dose. And many of them may have immunity already, up to half of them. So when we have schools like Los Angeles County say, hey, we're going to require the vaccine, this is not, you're not saving polio doing this. You're harming kids. You're putting them at risk of harm, many of whom do not need that harm and can still be protected from just one dose or from natural immunity. But our rigid public health leadership absolutely refuses to depart from this narrow two-dose regimen. It never made sense to me a kid gets an adult dose. It never made sense to me. But it doesn't make sense to, to anybody. I mean, to a lawyer, you know, to a garbage collector, to anybody. You know, you've got a guy who's, you know, six foot five and weighs 300 pounds. We give a 12-year, a 10-year-old the same dose we give him. You know, it's it's all about, and again, I want to try to stay in the medical lane with you, but it seems to be all about fear and control. Because once you scare people, you can control them. But but when we talk about kids, doctor, and just one more question, because I know your time is so valuable. The kids who are in school, they're saying that they have to be masked all day. Now, is this across the board? Are you familiar with with what is going on across the country with masking of our kids? Well, we basically recognized this was an aerosolized virus and airborne with adults, and we recommended masks. And I was a part of that broad guidance. I wrote the first piece calling for universal masking in adults at the beginning of the pandemic. It was in the New York Times. People said, hey, masks, you know, what are you doing? Now that we convinced the country to wear a mask and they extrapolated the data to say, well, if it works in adults, it works in kids. Well, we were not sure of that. And it turns out a study found that cloth masks have almost really no benefit. And my point in writing the piece recently on the downsides of masks is not to say kids should all be without masks. I just leave it up to the parents and the local school districts. If there's an active outbreak, then it may make sense if you have exit criteria, but the cloth masks probably do nothing. Masks in general rank as number six or seven in terms of things you can do in schools for kids. I'm not sure a kid can avoid them, to be honest. And some kids struggle with masks, and we ignore them. And that is a, a terrible treatment of a vulnerable segment of our population, kids with disabilities, cognitive, learning, physical. That's about five million kids kids who wear glasses who can't see when they're in school because they can't get a good seal acting all kinds of problems we can't have a blanket policy for every kid we've got to have carve outs well dr marty mccary i very much appreciate your input uh we're still a year and a half later talking about this and and you know now we have the delta variant and is it possible, doctor, that we can have another 120 variants from another 120 countries, especially given what's coming through our southern border? I mean, every country can have its own variant, correct? Yeah, I don't think the uh, the variants, um, it gets tougher and tougher for them to compete with more contagious strains. So we're going to see fewer and fewer variants be able to become prominent. I think Delta is going to be with us for a while and even if we get more variants, our uh, B and T cell immunity does uh, encompass variants extremely well, at least all 2,000 to date. So I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about the, about the people may not be ready for breakthrough infections, and breakthrough infections are not a problem. I mean, breakthrough hospitalizations and deaths are, 
but mm-hmm. we really rarely see those. And so we got to learn to live with COVID. Okay, and 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 last, and I know I said this before, Doctor Marty McCary, John Hopkins, what kind of mask do you rec- uh, recommend that people wear? I mean, for my listeners, I mean, when I go to the drugstore, what should I buy? So the research shows that a surgical mask reduces transmission by about eleven percent. Cloth mask has probably minimal to, to no impact, and then the KN95s are the best. Now I tell people once you're immune then live a normal life. But out of courtesy for those who may be non-immune, if I'm in a public area uh, um, where we indoors, where there could be a non-immune person, I wear a mask out of courtesy in, in those crowded settings. Yeah, but what's kind of interesting is if they're not immune, they should be wearing a mask. But Dr. Marty McCary, John Hopkins, thank you so much for being with us on the Tunnel to Towers Sunday morning show. Thank you. Good to be with you, Judge. All right. And up next here on the Judge Jeanine Pirro Tunnel to Towers Foundation Sunday morning show, uh, was America ready for 9-11 in 2000? Apparently not. And it's 2021. Are we ready for any kind of attack in 2021? Plus, your chance to vote your thoughts. We open up the Friends of the Court hotline coming up right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Welcome back to the Judge Jeanine Pirro Tunnel to Towers Foundation Sunday morning show. A special shout out as well for those of you joining us via our live stream on the 77 WABC mobile app and on WABCradio.com streaming worldwide. And for those with Alexa smart home speakers, you can tune in as well by simply saying, Alexa, enable the 77 WABC skill. Okay. Um, let's go to the Friends of the Court hotline. I want to make sure that uh, we take your calls at 1-800-848-WABC. That's 1-800-848-9222. And what I also want to do is I want to talk about what happened yesterday uh, at City Field when uh, I was there with uh, Mike Piazza and Bobby Valentine and Frank Siller, Tunnel to Towers. And I'm thrilled to say that Fox actually gave Frank Siller, Tunnel to Towers Foundation president, $1 million so that he can continue, in his phrase, to do good. And we are going to be speaking with the CEO of Tunnel to Towers Foundation, uh, Frank Siller. And we're going to I'm going to go on to ask you our question of the week and tell you how to participate when the Judge Jeanine Pirro Tunnel to Towers Foundation Sunday morning returns. Welcome back to the Judge Jeanine Pirro Tunnel to Towers Foundation Sunday morning show. And joining us now is the CEO of Tunnel to Towers Foundation, Frank Siller. Of course, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation honors the sacrifice of firefighter Stephen Siller, uh, Frank's brother, who laid down his life to save others on September 11, 2001. The foundation also honors our military and first responders who continue to make the supreme sacrifice of life and limb for our country. Please join me in welcoming to the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation Sunday morning show, Frank Siller. All right, Frank, are you there? I am here, Judge. Thanks for having me on this morning. And, uh, so we are reading the names right now as we, as I'm speaking with you mm-hmm. of all the uh, great souls that we lost from 9-11 illnesses. And many of them are first responders, but many aren't. Many of the ones who are just down there working and on the pile, digging, looking for my brother, looking for their friends yep. and uh, looking for maybe their family members. And we're told that the toxins were OK and you didn't have to worry about the air quality. But, you know, 
here we are still 20 years later and we keep on losing guys and More, and we still over. suffer uh, you know uh, uh, every week that what frank i gotta tell you i mean i remember walking ground zero on uh september 12th with i believe it was governor pataki and there were so many people with signs and pictures of their loved ones and you know uh everyone was looking for someone and I, I just remember thinking this has to be dangerous. I mean, and then when the government comes out, the government, I mean, that has all the resources available to to protect us. And they say, oh, it's OK down there. No problem. Um, you know, it's it, it's just shocking. But what you have done is you've turned the negative. You've turned the the outrageous killing of our American people by extremist Muslim jihadist terrorists into a positive by creating a life for those who come home with catastrophic illnesses and taking care of the families who lose a loved one. And I got to tell you, Frank, I have watched you over the last uh, month or so as you did your 500 and whatever mile walk through six states. Uh, you look great. I mean, I don't know why you look so terrific, but you know, there's something about what you're doing that it almost it feels to me like you were meant to do it. Uh, and let me I agree with you. I was meant to do it. I wanted to do something to honor my youngest brother. He inspires his older siblings to do good and not just his honor and memory, but for all the ones that we lost on 9-11. And um, this journey, that walk I was on, I've met. Oh, my goodness. So many beautiful Americans, so many people who love America and. It just lifted my spirits and uh, an encouragement. Uh, I just feel so uh, more positive about uh, about the uh, what I thought was so divisive uh, in, uh, of Americans, mm-hmm. and I don't feel that way. I feel like when it comes right down to it, you know, when we lost the 13 great uh, military personnel that just died in Afghanistan, mm-hmm. all of America was uh, upset. They were all upset. That you know. It, it 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 was reminded me of of nine eleven in a, not the same way. Obviously, we didn't lose three thousand, uh, but everybody it really was uh, both sides of the aisle was upset. And uh, mm-hmm. now uh, we, when it comes right down to it, America is under attack. Americans come together. Well, uh, most okay. well, you know. Yesterday, Frank. I mean, you. Uh, I I was at City Field when I was doing the five. Uh, the, the Fox show, the five, and, uh, you came on set, and I don't know if you felt this way. But I felt great there. I felt, I said, oh my goodness. You know, I, I, I watch the news so much. I'm so, so disappointed with, with, you know, all of this hate of America. We hate the flag. You can't say this. They take a knee. I mean, I'm infuriated. I'm incensed. But there, the energy was pro-American. It was palpable. It was fantastic. What are your thoughts from City Field yesterday? I couldn't agree with you more. It was uh, it was so exciting. Uh, it was it was a celebration, and people came together. And believe me, this there wasn't just uh, conservatives there. There was both sides of the aisle there, and it was a beautiful sight. It reminded me of uh, what happened was right after nine eleven. It really did. It, it really reminded me of that. And I got to tell you. Fox, oh my goodness! Were uh, you guys surprised me with yesterday? Mm-hmm. You know, during the uh, the interview with the five, when I was told uh, that they do- they donated a, a million dollars to us, Fox Corp, and uh, think of all the families that were going to be able to help 
because of that. It really did not knock me um, uh, off my feet. So, you know, you know, I've been walking that 537 miles, right? And then when, uh, when Jesse asked me, Frank, how do you feel now? And I said, after, you know, you told me we're getting a million dollars. I said a million times better. That's for sure. <laughs> Because we could do a lot with that million dollars and help a lot of families. And I can't thank uh, Fox enough. And I got to tell you, our relationship uh, uh, with WABC, you know, John Casamatias, uh, what he's done for us, John. And uh, well, all, we love all you, you guys with ABC. Over there, all, all of you over there have been phenomenal, have been phenomenal. And because of it, we get more and more people join us on a mission to do good and take care of the greatest of all Americans. These ones who are willing to die for you and I, and you know, the eleven dollars a month is not asking too much, you know, to to help these families. And I think we owe it to them. And 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 it's and it's working. You're 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 uh, the way that you get your message across there. I really appreciate it, WA. Well, you know, Frank, let me just tell you from my perspective. So we're, get, we're, we're going out on set to do the five, and it's pretty much, you know, under wraps that you're getting the million dollars. I mean, it's it's not even, you know, it's not even in the program, right? And so all of us are so excited to be able to see your reaction when we say, you know, Fox Corporation is, is giving Frank a million dollars. And, you know, so you're sitting there and, and, you know, you, you took a beat and then your eyes kind of widened when you realized that it, it was giving you, that the Fox was giving you that million dollars. And it is so well deserved, Frank, because who would even think Frank, about building homes for those who are catastrophically injured so that they can access the stove, they can get into a shower. I mean, every person has individual needs. They get their dignity back. They get their ability to have some sense of pride. And you did that, Frank. But you didn't stop there. And, and you know, th- this is your mission. Now you have property, and now you're going to build a village, the do-good village. Tell my listeners about that well we had a, a big parcel of land donated to us right outside of tampa florida and uh when, when it was donated to us i didn't know what i was going to do i was thinking of maybe even selling it and just taking the proceeds to help us build these houses and you know, we came up with uh actually the person who donated said boy wouldn't it be nice if you could build some houses here and i said oh my goodness I said, maybe we could do a village. And, and you know, we're all premised. The foundation is St. Fr- we, we, you know, live by the teachings of St. Francis. And St. Mm-hmm. Francis said, while we have time, let us do good. And uh, that's why we called, we're going to call the, uh, the do good, let us do good village. And properly so. So I, 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 we're so excited. The land is all approved. I got, I have it all approved already. Went through all the zoning. Uh, applications and uh, so we're going to be breaking ground on it uh, uh, very shortly and it, it's an exciting uh, uh, it's a exciting, exciting undertaking we have three uh, families that will be going down there right away you know as soon as we build it so hopefully this time next year or by Christmas of next year that I have the first phase of it uh, done and we can have families in there but we're going to build over a hundred uh, hundred homes so we need eleven dollars a month it adds up <laughs> believe it or not when people do the eleven dollars a month because not everyone could do a million dollars like like uh, Fox just did, although, believe me, we need that million dollars, but we, <laughs> we count on the $11 a month. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, you said something yesterday. You said, you know, when we have the village, the do-good village, you said the families will be able to connect. And, and do you remember what you said about the families growing up? 
Yeah, yeah. The, I'm I'm going to tell you. There's going to be so many love stories that came that's going to come out of that uh, out of this village. There are going to be other families around. Each family understands the loss that they went through. Uh, who better than these families to console and grow together and heal together and guarantee they're going to fall in love together? And that's going to be one of the beautiful things that's going to come out of this uh, the village. And it's and we're proud to just be part of it. it it's amazing just the. To, to see it all unfold, it's just not the village, the building these houses for our injured service members all over the country, paying off the mortgages for fallen first responders and police officers. Uh, you know, we, we're taking we, without police officers, we, we don't have a society. You know, we sure. don't have a society, so we better take care of them, too. And, and we are at the Tunnels to Towers Foundation. Once again, most Americans respect and, and appreciate them. But there are some loudmouths that uh, that uh, get it wrong. I mean, not every police officer is perfect, so I'm not naive. But 99.999% uh, will, you know, give their li- willing to give their lives from us. So we better we, we better take care of them. Yeah, and you know, Frank, as 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 we look back, uh, you know, on the twentieth anniversary of nine eleven, and um, you know, the America that we were in two thousand one, with you know, everybody, when you see a police officer, you would nod your head, or you would, you would, you know, say hi, or shake a hand, or you know, it's so different today. I mean, people taking a knee. People being anti-American, burning the flag. I mean, I don't know where that comes from, but my fear is, as they're being taught this in schools across America, you know, this um, this anti-1776, uh, you know, I worry for this country, and I worry about uh, what is happening across the world, and I don't know that we're, uh, I, I said it in my open last night, I don't believe uh, we're any safer now the Taliban's in control and they've got, you know, 40, 50, 60, 80 million dollars worth of our military equipment. And uh, it's it's a dangerous time in America right now. And the borders are open. Afghan evacuees are being brought in. Uh, and I had uh, uh, a congressman on my show last night, you know, who said the Afghan evacuees are being brought in. Uh, to Fort Bliss and, and some of the other forts across the country. And they're just leaving in Ubers, they're just taking right off. And we have no control over them. They're not the, uh, the, the SIV holders. They're not the interpreters. They're just people who are being brought in. And I fear for what, what's being, what we're being ginned up for. But, you know, having spoken about Afghanistan, I mean, we heard about the one service member whose wife was pregnant and about to give birth, uh, a couple of weeks ago. It was three weeks. I understand that you jumped right in and tell us what you did with, with that service member's wife. Well, we, we are going to take care of her. Um, we're going to make sure she gets a mortgage free home. We do that for all gold star families who, uh, their loved ones die for our country and leave young families behind. In this instance, uh, she'll be giving birth in the next week or so. And uh, the Tunnels and Towers Foundation has already uh, made that promise to her that we're going to uh, give her a mortgage-free home. We're proud to do that. You know, these last 13 service members that gave their life for our country are going to be uh, remembered uh, forever uh, because it's it was so horrific and so unnecessary. And uh, but yet these great uh, service members are willing to be there and protect us and give their lives for us. So once again, 
as a nation, we better take care of these families that are left behind. And we're proud that Tony Latowers Foundation is proud to take care to take care of them. And uh, I'm, I'm sure that uh, there's a lot of people out there in America that respect the flag. I was, I'm a child of the '60s. I was a teenager in the '60s. Mm-hmm. And, you talk about burning flags and all this other stuff that went down. It was just, it was disgusting then, and anyone that doesn't respect it is disgusting now. Uh, you want to protest? You protest uh, a way that uh, that's peacefully and uh, but respectful to your country and most certainly to your flag, because uh, people die for that flag and die mm-hmm. for our freedom, and that should always be respected. Right, right. And uh, I just want to make one mention before I let you go, Frank Siller, CEO of Tunnel to Towers Foundation. Uh, number one, thank you, uh, for being the, you know, the, the, the support behind the Judge Jeanine Pirro Sunday morning Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. I thank you for your support. And I also want to mention, uh, that you started the foundation with your sisters, Janice, Mary, and Gina, and your brother, George, uh, your brothers, George and Russell. How many are in your family? How many kids were there? Seven siblings. The uh, youngest was the first to go, and the oldest died about a year and a half ago. I'm sorry. And uh, so there's five of us left, and we're all committed to make sure that we continue to do good. And we know our brother's spirits, as well as my parents, who taught us all the stuff about giving back and being selfless and doing for others, uh, will always uh, be the, the spirit that carries us through all these difficult times. And believe me, America always comes out the other side. Well, it's America the beautiful. It is beautiful. She is beautiful. And uh, so are you, Frank, and the uh, Frank Siller and the Tunnel to Towers Foundation. God bless you for what you have done. You picked up where, you know, no one came in to fill that void and you did it. God bless you and God bless your family. Frank Siller, thank you so much for being with us. Thanks, Judge. All right. All right. And born from the tragedy of 9-11, of course, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been honoring America's heroes ever since. This year, the foundation, as you just heard, is bringing 200 mortgage-free homes to Gold Star and fallen first responder families with young children and to our nation's most catastrophically injured veterans and first responders as well. Frank Siller connected where America was attacked on foot from the Pentagon to Shanksville to downtown Manhattan, where he retraced his brother's footsteps on 9-11. Thanks to your support, Towers of Light returned to the Pentagon and Shanksville memorials again this year. But for the first time, our country recognized the people we lost to 9-11-related illnesses through the foundation ceremony. And another first is planned for Veterans Day. Those lost in the war on terror are having their names read aloud. Honor our vow to never forget. Donate $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T2T.org. Thank you. Welcome back to the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation Sunday Morning Show. You know what time it is? It's time to reveal our question of the week. Last week, we posed the question, do you believe the leaked Biden phone call with the president of Afghanistan is a bigger deal than the leaked Trump phone call with the president of Ukraine, for which President Trump was impeached. 
The question was posed, of course, after a transcript of a phone call was released by Reuters detailing a conversation between Joe Biden and President Ashraf Ghani of Afghanistan, where President Biden pressed Ghani to change the perception of the situation in Afghanistan prior to its collapse to the Taliban, whether it's true or not. Classic Biden. So here are the results. 100% said yes, and 0% said no. The leaked phone call between President Biden and Ashraf Ghani was a much bigger deal than the leaked phone call between President Trump and the Ukraine. So, no surprise there, and it just shows me you guys are, uh, you know, are are smart and savvy. Uh, But for this week's upcoming question of the week, uh, do you think that the vaccine mandate, this is what we started with at the beginning of the show with Dr. McCary. Do you think that the vaccine mandate for all businesses with over a hundred employees is unconstitutional? Okay. Make sure you chime into the conversation and vote. Do you think that the vaccine mandate for all businesses over 100 employees is unconstitutional? So Biden comes in and he says, we're going to mandate that all companies with more than 100 and with 100 employees or more uh, have to make sure that these employees are vaccinated uh, or I believe tested uh, weekly, if not more. And if not, the Department of Labor is going to come in and fine them with some hefty fines. So make sure you chime into the conversation and vote. All you have to do is log on to our website at wabcradio.com forward slash tag forward slash web dash poll. That's wabcradio.com forward slash tag forward slash web dash poll. I'll be reading the results of the question of the week next Sunday, live, right here on 77 WABC. Now, we have a couple of minutes left, and I just want to talk about 9-11 and what happened yesterday in New York City and how great it was to be with people who loved America and who cared about uh, America, that we were able to actually feel the energy at City Field. And I want to talk about how President Bush, at the time of the uh, attack on 9-11, actually gave Americans a sense of comfort. Uh, it wasn't scripted. It wasn't on a teleprompter, but it was comforting and moving and captivating. And uh, I, 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 I think we should have time uh, to hear the uh, sot of the president. Do we have it, guys? We've got uh, SOT number three. And then George Bush and his response. SOT four. I can hear you. I can hear you. The rest of the world hears you. Now, can you imagine Joe Biden saying anything like that? I don't think so. Joe Biden left the Bagram Air Base in the middle of the night, didn't tell our allies. The British Parliament 
criticized uh, 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 Joe Biden. We didn't tell our allies. We didn't tell the Afghans. We just ran out with our tail between our legs. And instead of destroying what we had in terms of military equipment, sophisticated equipment, we just handed it over to them. And I got to tell you, friends, that there is nothing that angers me more than seeing the Taliban wearing army uniforms, wearing United States uniforms and carrying our weapons and riding around in Humvees. They've got our drones, Apache helicopters, uh, and they've got something like a half a million uh, uh, weapons, assault weapons, pistols, uh, you name it. And there is no other day in the year uh, that reminds us how vulnerable we are more than September 11th. And the question that I'm left with is with this president, the, Amer- the Afghanistan that we went into in 2000 after 9-11, that Afghanistan is exactly the same, but worse. When we left it in 2021, we left the Taliban in charge. We said that they were, that they were uh, uh, businesslike in their approach with us. These are people who are now whipping journalists and killing anyone who worked with Americans, killing women, shooting them on the street if they're not wearing a cover on their face. This Biden administration has allowed Afghanistan to be a breeding ground for al-Qaeda, ISIS-K, the Haqqani Network. Obama and Biden together have released some of the worst terrorists and replenished the uh, al-Qaeda and ISIS and the Haqqani network. And now we're left with the results of that. And as sure as I'm sitting here talking to you right now, you can rest assured that they are planning whatever they can. They haven't changed. They're not businesslike and they're not cooperative. These are people who are barbarians. They live by a medieval code of honor. And we are the infidels, and they hate us. The Taliban will always find a way to regenerate. And uh, they are stronger uh, than they ever were. And we're bringing them into United Na- into uh, the group of civilized nations. Well, that's all the time that we have. I can't believe we're already out of time, but make sure you join us right back here next Sunday at 11 a.m. Sharp for the Judge Jeanine Pirro Tunnel to Towers Foundation Sunday morning show. Up next, it's a Dick Morris show where you can listen to great political commentary by my friend Dick Morris on the issues that you care about. Happy Sunday, everyone. Be safe. Take care. God bless you and God bless the United States of America.